Hello, I'm Joel McMahon, pastor at San Philip United Methodist Church in San Philip, Texas. We're located right across the street from Stephen F. Austin State Park in San Philip. And if you're ever in our area, we invite you to come by and worship with us on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We're going to be resuming our normal in-person worship on August the 16th. That's about two weeks from now. Before we go any further, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for letting us see another new day and another new month, and we pray that this new month will bring peace, healing, and an end to this virus. May you continue to bless and protect us and keep us covered under the blood of Jesus. In the name above all names, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our scripture reading is found in Romans, the 8th chapter, the 28th through the 32nd verses. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This is a wonderful promise that all of us who know God and love God, have from God. But let's be clear, all things aren't good. It would be a mockery to say that they are. The death of a child is not good. Cancer is not good. Drug addiction is not good. War is not good. Blasphemy is not good. But the Bible says we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. I believe, now well I just know, that the cross of Jesus is a glorious depiction of how God takes things that in and of themselves are bad and he puts them together, much as a chemist might take chemicals uh, that in and of themselves may be harmful and mixes them to make a medicine that brings healing. You probably use salt on your food. Now table salt is made up of both sodium and chlorine. By itself, sodium is a deadly poison and by itself, chlorine is a horrendously deadly poison. But if you put them together, you have table salt. Salt flavors food. 
and a certain amount of salt is necessary. We can't live without some salt in our systems. And you see, in a wondrous, glorious way, God can take things that are bad and put them in the crucible of his wisdom and love and work them together for good. And he gives us this glorious, wonderful promise that he will do just that. Now, one of the most familiar examples that we have of this in the Old Testament is the story of Joseph. His brothers hate him because he's had a dream that someday he's going to reign over them. And so they throw him into a pit and then they sell him into slavery in Egypt. And then they lie to their father about his coat so the old man will believe that his boy was killed by a wild animal. Then Joseph seems to prosper in Potiphar's house until Potiphar's wife lies about him and accuses him of attempted rape, and so he's put in prison. And there, things seem to go well after a while because the jailer trusts him. But then his hopes that Pharaoh's butler will get him out are dashed as the butler forgets about Joseph for two more years. And then finally, after about 17 years of nothing apparently working together for any lasting good for Joseph or for his poor father, he interprets a dream for Pharaoh, and Pharaoh rewards him by making him a kind of vice president in charge of all the food in the land as a seven-year famine approaches. Now, the famine is threatening his family in Canaan, and so the brothers who hated him and tried to get rid of him come to Egypt. And who is the one ready to help them but their brother Joseph, whom they don't recognize? At the end of this story, Joseph says to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Now, Joseph remained faithful in the middle of bad things, and God caused all the things that he went through to work together for good for him and for others through him. This is also what Jesus did for us through the, on the cross. In Acts 4, 27, 28, the disciples say as they're praying, In this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. In other words, even though Jesus going to the cross involved the sins of Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, and the Jewish leaders, God caused it to work together for good. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I have a friend named Bruce Olson, and he's a missionary. He spent many years bringing the gospel to the Modalone Indians of Colombia. And several years uh, ago, the National Liberation Army in Colombia kidnapped Bruce. They were the only revolutionary group at that time 
that was refusing to enter into peace negotiations with the government of Colombia. And Bruce was a thorn in their side because the Mota loans would not give them access to their territory to use in the drug trade and whatever else they wanted to use it for. It appeared that what the, uh, uh, the National Liberation Army meant to do was to intimidate the Mota loans and to eliminate Bruce Olson. However, they had no idea who they had captured. What played out was kind of a really godly, glorious version of the ransom of Little Red Chief. First of all, there was an uproar throughout the country of Bolivia that Bruce had been kidnapped. The rebels had no idea how beloved Bruce was to the Colombians. And so they, they couldn't kill him. The rebels couldn't kill him or they would alienate the very masses that they were trying to gain popularity with. So what to do with Bruce? He told me firsthand that they tied him to a post or a tree in the middle of a compound like a dog on a leash. And guards were posted to watch over him all the time. And Bruce did exactly what anyone who loves God and is called according to his purpose would do. He loved his enemies. He discovered that his guards were idealistic young men, still in their teens, who really thought that Marxism was something to die for. They thought that their ideals were found in Marxism. He also discovered that they were illiterate and knew nothing about Marxism or Karl Marx. And so he taught his guards to read and then he showed them in uh, they, he showed them in their own writings that they ended the Bible, that the ideals that they held so dear weren't found in Marxism at all, but they were found in Jesus. And his guards became followers of Christ. Now, in order to stop the spread of Christianity among the troops in the compound, the leaders transferred Bruce to another camp. And then it was same song, second verse. And so they kept moving Bruce uh, to keep him from bringing salvation to their troops. And finally, one day, they led Bruce out in front of a firing squad, and they blindfolded him. And Bruce could hear as the orders were given. They squad was told to ready their weapons and he heard them get them ready and cock them. He heard them be commanded to aim and then he heard them commanded to fire. And there was a blast of rifle, rifle fire and then it grew silent. And Bruce was still standing. He was untouched it turned out that the rifles were filled with blanks. What they'd hoped to do was to totally destroy Bruce's mind. But instead, for him, he had just missed a ride to his heavenly home. Because you see, Bruce, just like the Apostle Paul, for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. So they loaded Bruce up in a vehicle then and they returned him to salvation. And as they, they returned him to civilization, excuse me. 
And as they released him, the leader told him, Bruce Olson, we made a big mistake when we kidnapped you. Now there was rejoicing in Columbia that Bruce had been released, but then it was learned that a right-wing radical group was plotting to assassinate Bruce and blame it on the communist rebels. Now, the president of Columbia at that time was a friend of Bruce's, and he learned of this and for Bruce's safety, asked him to leave the country until this all blew over. And so Bruce was stateside, and he was actually staying at our home shortly after all this, missing his beloved Modalones and Columbia. And then a call came to our house for Bruce, and he got the wonderful news from the president that the coast was clear, that he could return to Columbia. And here is what turned it all around. The National Liberation Army had sent word that they wanted to enter into peace negotiations with the government, and they made one major stipulation. And this stipulation was made so that it was known to all the public. That stipulation was that the peace negotiation team must include their friend, Bruce Olson. And so now the right-wing plot to assassinate Bruce and blame it on the rebels would not work. Needless to say, Bruce was very happy. All things had worked together for good for one who loved God and was called according to his purpose. And you see, this is just it. And this is the way it works out in our lives. Bruce loved God. Bruce was called according to God's purpose. That means he had given his life to God and he was doing with his life what God had called him to do with it. And as he was living his life for God, he wound up in the middle of a calamity. And in the middle of this trouble that he found himself in, in the middle of these bad things, in the middle of captivity, in the middle of being treated like a dog, he continued to be the Lord's. And this is where faithful believers are distinguished from fair-weather followers. And the question today is, which are you? If you're a believer and you're in a tough and if you're a believer and you're in a tough spot, you have a promise. You have this promise. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't make any difference how tough the spot is. You hang in there. God's going to cause it to work together for good. Joseph, David, Esther, the widows who served Elijah and Elisha, Peter, James, John, and Paul, and a cloud of other witnesses back through the ages are encouraging you today. Hang on, child of God. Joy comes in the morning. Maybe as you've listened to me today, you've realized that you haven't been loving God. 
and you've just been trying to find purpose and you realize that you haven't found it any other way and you can hear Lord you can hear the Lord say to you today how's that working for you and you know he has something better and you feel called to his purpose today I encourage you give yourself to him today don't wait and then this promise will be for you he's calling you to purpose today maybe you've been a fair-weather follower and the trials in life have pulled you far far away from God and maybe you've found yourself angry at God and You've been blaming God for things that you know really aren't his fault. And maybe you've tr been trying to hold him to this promise and you haven't been loving him at all. And you feel him today calling you back into a love relationship with him. Calling you back into that sense of purpose that you used to have, but it's been gone since you drifted away. And to you, he says, child, come home. Come home. And good can once more be in your life. Maybe you're in a bad spot right now in life and you know that you have no one to blame but yourself. You've been living for yourself and not for God. And your life is a mess and you know that this promise is not for you. But you know what? It can be. Because you see, you can be the beneficiary of this same principle. You can be the beneficiary of all the good that has been made available by the one who remained faithful on a cross over 2,000 years ago. Jesus went through agony on that cross. He remained faithful to God and paid the price for your sins. Even all those things that you meant for evil have now brought you to the point where they could be used by God for good by driving you into his loving arms this morning when you repent of your sins and come to him, he redeems your past and he can cause good to come from it. He can take your, that mess that's your life and he can bless that mess and turn it into something good and give you a good present and a good future. You see, there's no age limit or time limit on this promise. You can start loving him in an instant and the instant that you do, all things will begin to work together for even you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose, who are going through tough times right now, I pray that you will just visit them in a very special way and say, 
this is going to work together ultimately for good. It's bad, but I'm going to cause it to work together for good. Hang in there. Now pray that you'll give them comfort, you'll give them peace, you'll give them strength, and you'll give them faith, and you'll give them confidence that all this is going to ultimately work together for good. Help them to claim this promise and stand on it. Lord, those who have heard you calling to them, either calling them back to you or calling uh, them to you for the first time, I pray as they uh, just give themselves to you and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to be yours. I give myself to you. As they pray that prayer, I pray that you'll pour your Holy Spirit out upon them so they will sense your forgiveness. They will know your presence and they will know your peace and they will know that all things from this point on are going to work together for their good as they answer your call. And those who pray that prayer, pour your spirit upon them now, I pray in Jesus' name.